Welcome back to Trending in Education. This is the 2020 year-end wrap-up show. I'm very pleased to be joined by our regular compatriots uh, in Learning Fund, Melissa Griffith and Dan Strafford. Welcome back to the show. Dan, one of the original members of the, the Trending in Education tribe. Welcome back, Dan. And Melissa, how are you doing? It's been a little while. What's new? What's exciting? Yeah, I'm, I'm just looking forward. I'm looking forward to the new year. I'm looking forward to just a more optimistic look on life, 2020. But what is where it was, it was, it turned out fine, but it started off rough. And so I'm, yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to 2021 right now. Yeah. Wow. Turned out fine. You're, you already are optimistic. I'm, that's, I, a, know, that's about as positive an assessment as I've heard of 2020 that it turned out fine. I am. I am I've been running a lot more and I am okay. uh, definitely a, a glass half full recently. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think for me, I'm trying to say silver linings. It's a year of silver linings and like looking for silver linings now is probably the, we're better at that now too. So even if it's really cloudy out, once there's a little bit of sun over there, hey. I I think for everything that was really bad in this year, you've got to go through some struggles to to actually make life better. Right. actually understand what you really value in life. And I think that's how I'm feeling about this year. Yeah. I was confused who was on this recording, Melissa, but the, the glass half full approach was not something I was expecting here. <laughs> I know. I, I, to close I thought out you were going to talk about my glass half full, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> that but is fair. I mean, but it sounds like you're already turning the page, which is great. And I think a lot of us have been trying to turn a corner, see a light at the end of the tunnel, silver linings. But you need the dark to appreciate the the light. light. So, so I 100% agree uh, on that front. And then also I think reflecting back on the year, like this is a time to reflect back on the year. And to your point, Melissa, if you have a safe, comfortable place to like nest a little bit and reflect, it's yeah. that's really where we are. Cause it feels like we have to wait things out a little more, but then hopefully things do start to turn around by say the middle of next year. Yeah. So Dan, but we didn't formally welcome you. Dan, welcome welcome uh, to the show. What's going on? Uh, end of year, the virtual schooling still for the kids. So that's uh, been something to behold and experience all year this school year. But just the uh, same, looking forward to 2021, looking forward to changes politically, educational changes that are coming yeah. and are going to continue to come. I, I think I do see positives in 2020. I don't know if I'd say it was fine. That yeah. might not be the word I use, yeah. but I do think there's lots to talk about here and there's lots of things that we can look back on and say that they were triggers or the beginning of or things that happened very rapidly this year that I think all influence what 2021 and many years beyond will look like. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I was really struck by, you know, the fact that we've been doing a trend spotting show about learning and then whether it's the eye of the hurricane or the epicenter or ground zero, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it, but it's the world came this way. Yep. And it was really interesting to, to document as much as we did this year. This is our hundredth episode for uh, 2020, which is crazy uh, if you think about it. And then for me, just thinking about that as even the, the historical record of the year is really fascinating. And we did want to look back on some of our show data over, over the course of the year, just to get some perspective. By the way, it's also my son uh, Matthew's birthday and I can hear him uh, crying. 
they're, they're, they're tears of, of joy. That's how I feel on it's, my birthday too. Yeah. It's his birthday and he'll cry. <laughs> if he wants to, he learned, <laughs> he learned it early. That's a, that's good. Mike, to your point about your show list and top downloads, you can track the year there, right? Like you can track the trend, like what yeah. happened as this year went on, what the topics were. I think it's really interesting to look through and understand what trends you're spotting as they're happening mm -hmm. and also what forward looking ahead as yeah, well, right. the Brian Alexander uh, of the right. world, like right. those thinkers out there who are trying to now map, okay, this was a, a turn. This wasn't even a right. fork in the road. We exited the road and got on a new one and, and yeah. are heading forward. So how do we project out now 2021, 2022 from a learning perspective yeah. is interesting to track just across what was interesting to listeners, what was interesting for you, right? Like what topics yeah. were you seeking to talk about? And it's also the year I think you see of people coming to their own as being more confident in having takes, yeah. ideas and yeah. opinions about where learning should go. Right. Like having actual, hey, yeah, we're, we got pushed. We got pushed into virtual learning. We got shoved into it in the spring, but how can we do this better? And how can we grow and how can we learn? So it was interesting reading through and seeing the top 20 episodes and even looking at just the hundred, it, it's a map. Right. Like yeah. it's a map for the year and the way things uh, came to be. Yeah. Yeah. I was, it was also interesting to see the timeliness because I think to your point, you can either be ahead of a trend, you could be catching a trend as it's coming, or you could be a little bit late for it. But it was a year where I think that almost required the level of output just because there was so much new news and so many new perspectives to try to understand. But Melissa, for you, what's your top story of the year in, in education? It's obviously the top is a lot of what you guys were talking about, right? It is how the pandemic made education go virtual. And I, we say it's a trend. We knew we were going online a lot. My, my question is, are we gonna stay online or are, are we gonna have what I think is coming, which is as soon as people are able to go back, they're going to go back to school and they're going to go back to in-person with abandon because I think we're all feeling so need for contact at this point. Yeah, yeah. I'm myself. laughing. I'm Not laughing myself, here. But everyone yeah, you, else. You, 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 I'm I, good. I just want to be clear for anyone listening to me. I am good. I so, can do this yeah. for the next five years. Yeah. But for the rest of the world, I think they're looking uh, to go back. As uh, obviously holiday season here and mom and dad can hardly wait for school to start again is a, a lyric that is yeah. often, I think everyone it can hardly wait for school to start again. My, my kids want to yeah. get back in the classroom and we want yeah. them back in the classroom. With that said, Melissa, yeah. I don't know if it's going to be a, a rush for everything to be in person again. Yeah. I hope and really hope that yeah. it is a hybrid model. Like we are better yeah. understanding how to utilize virtual learning, how to utilize yeah tandem kids in the classroom kids online yeah that for college for professional learning and for the yeah. situation we're in now i i was actually my positive self was crying for the kids this year because i was like what we've ended is not in-person school we've ended the snow day and i'm just oh my god like, are you serious right we, now we <laughs> like, voted so our district melissa it's funny our district had a poll that went out to the parents do you want us to still observe snow days as typical snow days, or do you want us to do all virtual learning? And 68% right. of parents said they wanted to do virtual learning. Mm. Oh my, so, those parents are like, they're dead inside. Recount, recount. Exactly. Where are the voting machines? Yeah. I, want, I want more, I, there's more going on there, Darren. I, I wouldn't- yeah. I agree. I think some may have abstained and yeah. that, that might've been part of the problem. But I, I think it is, I think you're right. Like it's those small things 
that we may not even consider as part of learning, as part of this whole process. But I, I think we have here, but I think parents in general don't consider the the ability for kids to socialize, the ability yeah. for kids to have that break and that joy in that break. I think kill is, the is, snow day is to kill joy. I will stand by that. And for any parent who voted for it, rethink your life. What who hurt you as a who hurt you as a child I that agree. you would ruin I, that for your children? Especially this year. But it's also it did feel like an appropriate time as a parent to play hooky with your kids. 2020 has put forward to all of us, how do you navigate the work-life balance? How do you make choices? Be intentional about your time. And then snow melts. You can only take advantage of these opportunities for limited. Although I hear with La Nina, which I is a, it's, coming. it's coming our way, which should be a warmer and wetter winter, which may mean some snow accumulation. Melissa talked about COVID, right? And that experience and that influence on the year. I think something that's gotten somewhat lost, and I don't think terribly lost, but is the Black Lives Matter movement, mm-hmm. the the race relations in this country. Yeah. And that, I think, has influenced education largely, too. For sure. I've been lucky to work on a series about Black education in America the past few weeks. That has been eye-opening to me. But I think that those... Those are the seeds that were happening over the summer. I do think faded because COVID overtook again, the election. and But I do think that was a, a big moment in the summer with George Floyd and subsequent mm-hmm. other uh, deaths that I hope, again, uh, hope looking towards 2021, uh-huh. there is a more concerted effort around education, around Black history in America, right. and making Black history American history. Not yeah. having it be just one month, but having it be an actual... Right understanding of that culture and that, yeah. that process. So well, I think I think that issue became politicized as yes. part of this election cycle, in particular around the defunding, you're not allowed to run diversity training, and still receive funding from the, the federal government. That was an executive order that the Trump administration put out there. So there was a little bit of signaling that woke America that's doing the, these trainings it's it's un-American was one of the things that was put out there as well around diversity training. So I think it did. I was surprised to see that happen. Yeah. I wasn't overly surprised, but I was surprised in a way that I've frequently been surprised lately, which is like, oh, I didn't expect that to happen, but okay. Yeah, I guess right. that's happening. But I think now that hopefully with the Biden administration coming in, it sounds Miguel Cardona may be the, the nomination uh, for secretary of education. So that's something we'll continue to, to look at here. But, but yeah, Melissa, you, your thoughts on, on the, but something we talked a lot about some of the shows that I thought were really uh, interesting were when we went into some of these discussions over the summer in light of the, the George Floyd and then the, it wasn't just George Floyd. It was like a ongoing broil really. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously Black Lives Matter hit me to the core for anyone who listened to the, to those episodes. I, I am sad and one of the things that like, and again, I am very, I'm feeling optimistic these days, but mm-hmm. like one of the things that hit me was one of the arguments that they were making and with all the debacle around the, the polling and, and the voting was like, people were wearing Black Lives Matter mask and they were calling that a political statement. And the fact that we see that as a bipartisan issue is what is most scary to me. Mm-hmm. In, in this world, because it isn't, right? And it, it's not affiliated with any party. It shouldn't be affiliated with any party. It's about mm-hmm. making sure that Black lives are, matter and that their voices are heard. And, and so I think that's really scary. And what I am most happy about this year ending is that 
I want to be done with it. I want to figure out a way to bring the 74 million voters who didn't yeah. vote for, mm-hmm. for Biden back into the fold, like to actually have a conversation yeah. with them. You cannot, I cannot believe that 74 million Americans mm-hmm. just are just like evil and dead to the world and we should forget about them. There is mm-hmm. a reason they continue to yeah. want Trump in, in power which I, I'm sure there's a legitimate reason for it right. that I can't see right now. But you, yeah. I think there's something fundamentally wrong with this, with the world when we are filled that way. Yeah. Well, and also I think it is a, a testimony to psyops, disinformation and manipulation of, of people's perception, especially yeah. when that connects to social media, which is the other thing that, that we've spent a lot of time uh, looking at on this show. And it's a trend that we're trying to understand. I think those things together make it harder for the roughly ha- the two halves of the country to find common ground because you're more likely yeah. going to look for the biggest tribe that you're part of that is a us versus them mentality and hopefully that polarization yeah. can start to wind down to your point too like uh, it's been i think people are tired yeah i'm just i am absolutely over it i'm absolutely over the like us versus them i'm absolutely over the, like the fights in as you guys know i've talked about it before my i'm a fan of these current videos because i'm fascinated by human nature like how do you get yourself so worked up in a situation about something that is Again, it's, I keep coming back to that, like, who hurt you as right. a child? Well, yeah. You're like, you feel that way about yeah. someone else. Well, the fragility is the other, is another word that yeah. really emerged. That, the book, White Fragility in particular, yeah. was really the, 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 the key point there. But there's also the idea of being anti-fragile, which is e- even better than being resilient. Resilient, you can withstand change. If you're anti-fragile, volatility yeah. is something you thrive in, which is an interesting concept that also has been emerging a lot more over the conversations that we've had over the year. And how do you train people to be good at, you know, improvising and being iterative? Agile, I think, is having a moment in higher ed now, which is funny. Melissa, I remember we're talking and working in an agile environment maybe 15 years ago. So it's interesting to see that some of these things take a long time to get into the educational circuit. But, uh, but yeah, one more point. I'll bring it back to this though, because I think with Terry Givens, uh, who's been on it a lot, I think it comes back to her and how we bring empathy mm-hmm. back, even back into the classroom and teach it at a younger age, like yep. how to teach how to de-escalate those arguments mm-hmm. and, and those fights that we're seeing mm-hmm. in the world. So, cause whenever you see a situation where someone's getting really worked up, the person that is either videoing it or is on the other side of the conversation is also not trying to de-escalate it. And I right, think right. like they, they either leave it at an even tone. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to teach that from a young age, like conflict resolution, yeah. like empathy, like understanding where the other person is coming from. And I mm-hmm. think that's one of the biggest lessons I'm, I'm taking away from, mm-hmm. from 2020 is that this year sucked for a lot of people and it continues to suck for a lot of people. And that's going to make you angry. And you all you're looking for is, and I'm going to make it, like stereotypical, you're looking for a hug. You're looking for someone to understand that you are like understand where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. So a lot to, to reflect on after a year like this, but, uh, but a lot of opportunities to learn. And that is where I do think the awakening around racial consciousness, the idea that we're not post-racial, that we're still in this sort of racialized world. And that with that comes a lot of racism and awareness of racism. And then also awareness of your own, um, unconscious 
biases, which for me is something that I always have to reflect on too. Like you have to get over yourself and realize that you're as flawed and as much a product of the system as anyone. And you almost need that awakening to start to, to truly become something more. Yeah. And then the social emotional thing that that you were touching on, uh, Melissa, there as well. The other piece that I've seen a lot more this year is trauma informed. So the idea that the talking about an issue needs to be a thoughtful thing. And if you're raising something that's going to dial up the temperature, are you really equipped for it? Is it in a forum that is really beneficial to go into that depth? Or is it something that's probably better to to find time for more of a one-on-one or small group conversation? That's something that that's been really interesting uh, to me because yeah. it's also a year where I think a lot of the testing has been suspended. So like the, the high stakes tests are not happening to the extent that they, they have historically. Yeah. So I think that's almost freed up more time to go after the social emotional component and to offer up grace, which is also one of the words uh, of the year really for me is, uh, can you be gracious to those who may have traumas you don't really understand and then until you, unless and until you understand those traumas, you're not really going to be able to make a breakthrough with that person because they're more likely going to put their guard up. But yeah, and then looking ahead, are there any of these uh, episodes, any of the themes that we've talked about that you think are we're on the, the cutting edge of something that we're going to see a lot more of in the coming months and years? Yeah, I think the the MBA episode with mm-hmm. Dr. Swanee, I think that one, the the changing of an MBA is occurring. And even the way you teach in, 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 teaching classrooms in higher ed is gonna change. And then mm-hmm. how do you extend that MBA program past two years mm-hmm. into continuing education? I think that's one of the trends that I, I think will continue. I hope to see a lot more of it uh, coming out in, in 2021. Yeah, doc, Dr. Mohan uh, yeah. Sawney out of uh, Northwestern uh, School of Business, Kellogg School of Business out at Northwestern University. It was really interesting. Yeah conversation and he's an interesting guy to track too because he's actually he's continuing to innovate against the model a lot of what he talked about that was probably about six months ago he's uh, had multiple innovation cycles since then so it is really interesting to to keep up with the people who are at the cutting edge another conversation that reminds me of is with uh, Prakash Nair who's head of the Education Design Institute and it's more about school architecture and how do you design schools primarily k-12 for for the new future and breaking out of what he calls the, the cells and bells model, where you're basically keeping kids in isolated classrooms with one teacher watching them. How do you redesign and reimagine a school architecture? Those kinds of things, really, we had a really interesting conversation about augmented reality. How is that going to take hold? Yeah, so the feature rich like ed tech track is an interesting one for me, Dan, any perspective? I know you enjoy what's new and what's emerging. <laughs> yeah, I think one Melissa's point, I think expands beyond even the MBA. I think <clears throat> obviously lots of people are trying to figure out lifelong learning. How do we engage with people both in the workforce and people who are just trying to, the terms we keep hearing, upskill, reskill, all of those different terms. Yeah. I think that's something that is going to be a trend of there's two sides to it. One, how do we keep educating people? Obviously that's important. Uh, But for companies, how do we keep lifelong customers? How do we engage with these people? And that's the same for universities, right? They're changing demographics. Obviously universities are going to see far less enrollees over the years. We're seeing demographics shifting in that way. So 
in the end, they are a business. We like to think of them as nonprofits, and but they have to keep churning kids through or adults through to, to make sure they're paying their tuition. I think that's right. one. You mentioned social emotional learning. I think that and the idea of diversity and inclusion are going to be more and more just something that is part of not just workforce education, but I, I think, and again, this is a hope of mine moving forward, our public education process is more inclusive in that realm yeah. and more yeah. understanding of it, teaching empathy, teaching sympathy. Like th there are ways for people, you were talking about the trauma before. Yeah. yeah. Th I think that's going to be a key to public education. You mentioned the education secretary nomination. That's going to be a slow moving vehicle. We know that like changing public ed on a national level doesn't really happen that quickly, if at all, to be honest, but I'm hoping state by state, we start to see yeah. more movement towards these understandings oh, of the follow, follow the oh, money no. you can follow the money a little bit yes. what's absolutely how are the dollars what dollars are being allocated and how are they being spent so that's something we're going to want to come back to I, I think just around the the stimulus package there were billions of dollars that are earmarked for education it'd be interesting to to go a little deeper on that and also understand the new the new education secretary secretary while at the same time understanding that is a component of the broader landscape it's not the only thing that is going to move the needle in terms of the future of learning. But Melissa, you were trying to get in there. Yeah, no, because I, I challenge the notion of that it has to be slow moving. Like we just we just released the vaccine and not that it, it has to be, it's just that it is. Like but, that but, yeah. It but has I, been. but but yeah. and that's the challenge, right? That's the the problem, right? Like I think a lot of people do not realize how broken an educational system that exists in, in the United States, especially in public schools right now. And I think more urgency around fixing that. And so that if there is another pandemic or for heaven's sake, another thing that causes us to be locked in our houses for an entire year, yeah. that it is not a scramble, but we actually have a cohesive plan in place. We actually have the infrastructure in place. Yeah. So I don't just want to see spending on on just education. I actually think we need to spend a lot on Wi-Fi infrastructure and better telecommunication infrastructure. Yeah. So that it's not, that is not something for the elite, but for yeah. everyone. On our number one show for 2020, and um, we'll be sharing this out for folks who, who are following us on LinkedIn or Twitter, but our number one show for the year downloads wise was about digital inclusion in light of the yeah. pandemic. So we've had conversations with Angela Seifer, a friend of the show. She's doing amazing yeah. work, but we had her had her on prior to the pandemic and then the pandemic happened and we were like, oh my God, digital inclusion is about bridging the, the access gap to digital assets, digital experiences. And there's a bunch of different ways, not just the connectivity, it's also the readiness yeah. to use the tools to solve their problems. Even if you know how to use a yeah. smartphone, you still may go down to the bank to pay your bills because that's yeah. what you've always done. So I think it's a really fascinating space. And that was one that I think we were actually, we were pretty good on. And that, I think that yeah. what, what's been interesting is that I think frequently the timeliness of our trend spotting is rewarded by more downloads and more uh, sharing of what we're doing. So it's good, good to see when we're ahead of the curve. I also, truth be told, I remember after George Floyd, I was kind of I was having a hard time figuring out how to pivot the show to talk about George and something we did wind up doing. And I think we yeah. did a good job once we got there. But, uh, but it is challenging when you are responsible for a regular publish point about issues and topics, you're trying to stay on trend, something like George Floyd happens, and then how many weeks does it take you to get a show out was very much something uh, that was top of mind. Mm -hmm. So I feel like 
there is a sense of responsibility to, to try to get at the trends that you need to get at, even if it's just to say, I see this as well. And then the other thing is trying to give more people a platform, more voices and opportunity to be heard, whether it's through this show or supporting other people who are yeah. trying to get their voices out there is something that I think is a real, again, silver lining out of the pandemic. I think we've all been forced to almost get serious a little more where there was, when you're in a, this world of abundance, I don't think you necessarily think about your priorities, think about what, what's really important. And then when you get faced with the struggle that you were describing, Melissa, like, I think that's where you're, everyone has been forced to reevaluate. And then hopefully uh, we're getting to a higher plane for the conversation. Yeah. 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 What else is going on? The vaccine, the vaccine itself. What we haven't done a show on the vaccine, which I think is probably something we should cover. I, I honestly, I have, we talked yeah. about doing it. Maybe we, we talked a little bit about it on February 13th when we did our episode. That was just me and you, Dan, back in the day. The coronavirus goes coronaviral. Mm -hmm. We talked about that on February 13th. And I think we were probably a little dismissive at the time that we were on it. But I remember myself, I was thinking about the social media aspect of the coronavirus, which really was a month or two ahead. Had our government been responding coherently at the time, this we would have likely minimized a lot of pain and suffering and, and death that happened in the first wave. So in that sense, I think our spidey sense was tingling, but I'm not sure we really understood what we were in for. And then, right. and then I think that flowed right into, we were supposed to be at South by Southwest. And that was when it all became real, real for we, us. Yeah. Well, right. We, my wife was supposed to present there as well. We had right. planes booked and yeah. we, were, we were ready. For me, the vaccine specifically is just intriguing from a time to market and I have a friend who is a nurse who had coronavirus who is not getting the vaccine yet because there's been no testing on what happens to someone who's already had COVID-19 yeah. mm -hmm. and then gets the vaccine. Yeah, right. There's no data out there on that. Right. Uh, similarly, there's no data on uh, how the vaccine treats cancer patients or, or heart disease, but like specific right. these groups. So mm -hmm. it is fascinating and great that the vaccine is out there but there's still so much to learn about it and so right. much to understand about yeah. the varying types and it is interesting to see it was made with synthetic like it's synthetic vaccine rather than yeah. what we see with the flu vaccine yeah. which is live cultures that yeah. are almost dead i'm not dead yet from right. monty python but yeah so that that's another fascinating thing from just the educational and, and mm -hmm. learning perspective to understand yeah. it and then there's the the social yeah. aspect of it who wants it who doesn't want it, skeptical about it, and who's being educated yeah. on it is an intriguing I, topic. I, I, I want it. I just want more human testing, so yeah, I'm not yeah. going to be in the first wave. It's risk versus reward. Risk right. versus reward. I'm usually Although, a first mover. I mean, I thought it was a pretty compelling argument from one of the healthcare workers who got the shot, and as she was saying afterwards, that the worst outcomes are not going to be as bad as dying from coronavirus. So I think if you're yeah. in a higher risk We've already described yeah. your sort of siege mentality, Melissa. You can wait and see around when it makes sense to really do that trade-off. But I think that level of thinking yeah. around cost-benefit analysis, like risk assessment, making those types of decisions, I never expected that to become so front and center and so relentless. But it was it, the type of thing like you expect, like in March, I was like, oh my God, this is really interesting that I'm thinking about, should I buy the milk and the eggs or should I make sure I don't get the virus? You know, and it's obviously get the milk and eggs, Mike, but, but it is it's, just, the, and, and, and that doesn't stop. It's still 
something you're thinking about where, you know, should I get my groceries delivered? And the, the questions that keep on surfacing inside, inside versus outside for me has been the, sure. the biggest change. You were just talking about walking, Melissa, like for yeah. me, I've never walked this much in my life. And, and it's actually, you know, to like, be clear, I was talking about running, Mike, okay. running, not okay. walking. <laughs> I've seen you run. So it's, 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 it's an obvious, it's an obvious mistake, but, uh, but yeah, like just getting outside, getting in nature, getting parks, like the, the fact that I live yeah. near Prospect Park is a godsend. If I don't know, access to green space in urban areas is just a huge thing that I hadn't really thought about this way yeah. before. I have never been so grateful that I live outside of a city mm -hmm. as when this virus hit and just the sheer amount of space I have. And I do, I go run in and we're even in my neighborhood, like when we're running, we're not, a lot of us don't wear masks, but right. we're so very responsive to, you'll all see one of us will always cross the street. Mm -hmm. One of us, like we, there's just enough room that people can exist. They can live like you, you can live your life and still be safe. And I love that about the neighborhood I live in mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. So Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one other thing, a couple other things I want to make sure we hit on. One is just the theme around online learning, even though it's obvious. Uh, that's something we've all talked about a lot. Many of us have worked in some capacity delivering online learning, producing it, authoring yeah. some of it, whatever it is. But it's something that I've been a big fan of. It's helped me stay out of trouble the last 20 years or earn a, earn a decent wage. And I'm hoping that it's a trend that can accelerate forward right through the rebound effect that I think you're describing uh, fairly, Melissa, is that yeah. some people are really going to want to seek out uh, contact and access to others. Although I got to say, I was watching the local news here, New York One, and they were showing highlights of when they had the, the youth chorus in from a year ago, and they were all singing together on some risers wearing scarves. And I had pretty serious case of the heebie-jeebies because, yeah. and I'm oh. not in a big rush to go inside to a caroling session, right. like maybe <laughs> ever again, like stuff like this does well, settle well into, you, you become more hardwired a lot of these behaviors. So I'm curious how it plays forward. I am definitely wearing a mask. Uh, yeah. for a long time. It really interferes. Time. It interferes with your caroling though. Again, it it's one of those tough decisions. We did, we did some light socially distanced caroling here where nice. each family traveled together and then yeah. we stayed at about 10 feet apart in front of houses and nice. uh, faced different directions. And like, we figured it out, but it was outdoors. It's fascinating to me to two things here. One, it's fascinating to me to watch TV or see an old movie and be like, why aren't there, why aren't there wearing masks? Like, why, yeah. What, yeah. What, what, I, like what, what's happening here? Like what, put a mask on or like when social media clips get recycled and you see a, a clip that's going viral for a fifth time over five years, there's one right now of Santa signing with a baby on Twitter and everyone's freaking out in the mentions. Like, why isn't Santa wearing a mask? Why is it like what? It's from five years ago, but, right. but it is amazing how our reaction to these things mm -hmm. uh, pop up. And I think the other thing of what the reaction is when we move forward is I don't want to be in a place where I can get those germs that I used to not care about. I used, <laughs> I used to, Hey, go to a bar and drink. I wouldn't come home, wash my hands right away. For it sure. wasn't the first thing I thought right. of, right. but now it's the thought of, Oh, I, that was really disgusting. And <laughs> I, I agree. I and, and we would get a cold or two every year right. and just be like, Oh, that's what happens in the winter. Exactly. Who, who knew? And now we're all going to be so masked up and gloved up and hiding in our homes. And that's where the only concern is, do you then the, do, do the viruses they win? The viruses better? win. Do they, do they get better? 
But you're seeing no, that in the UK, right? Like the the COVID mutations that are yeah. happening in London and South yeah. England are right. scary. We need um, our we need our Independence Day moment where it's we're gonna fight those viruses and we're not gonna let them win. Who's with me? Yeah. You're, okay. You're, you're you definitely know? on your own. I'm just I'm just hunkering down. Like people are joking at me because you can see behind me they're like bottles stacked up. You guys yeah. can see them. I'm running uh, out of the storage space. Right. I'm we're we're good for now. Just be clear, years. like it looks like you have plenty of cranberry juice too, which is important. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, you're, like in terms of the bottles you're, you're stocking yeah. up on, you don't want to just yeah. stock up on vodka. Yeah. Although yeah. if you have your if you have some vodka and some cranberry juice, it can go. If it's a if it's a dark winter, it can it, that can last it, you a little it, while. It's the winter is coming and I'm well stocked. I'm well stocked. That's all I need to to say. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Next year you'll see there'll just be bottles everywhere because we're Empty just bottles. Uh, no no full because we just keep buying. Yeah, we, don't, right. we can't utilize them as much as we keep buying. Them. You can yeah. open up your own store. Yeah. It all goes sideways. You can be the per the one person charging. It's true. It's true. Yeah. You know, yeah. Whatever the yeah. future credit we pay. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm waiting for the virus to mutate. I'm here. So that was the virus. Talked a bunch about live online learning, a big download show with friend of the show, Adi Ahanish, uh, who maybe we'll try to get back him back on again. I think he's doing some interesting work with Slack now. So it'd be interesting to get Adi back on the show. Dr. Rich Milner out of Vanderbilt wrote a really interesting book, Understanding Diversity Opportunity Gaps and How to Teach Better. So that was really interesting conversation. Our show, the three of us did a show on the Gartner Hype Cycle. And that is something that has been a standard for us. That was, I think, the fourth hey, that time. Was, that was in the top? I didn't realize that. That was number number 11, and, and it was late in the year. So I think people, and if you, you start digging a little further in, you do see that many of the shows we did over the last few months are downloading quite well. So, so they may wind up cracking the the top 10 any minute now. But the good news is it does seem like people are listening to a lot of these shows. They appreciate the perspective. Any thoughts on what you'd like to see us do more of heading into uh, 2021, Dan? I think what I would love to see from trending in education and, and learning podcasts in general is continuing to highlight the great people doing great work. So yeah. I think, Mike, you took a, a, a hard you know look at some of these smart, intelligent, hardworking people who are sharing their own talents. And I think the more we can highlight them, and bring them forward and get their conversations on other people's minds, it'll just be better for everybody. So the, the more the more interviews, the more highlighting of books and, and which you've done for years now, but I, I just love those. And I love being able to learn from smart people and hear their opinions on things. Cool. Yeah, yeah, Dan definitely took my number one. That is for sure what I like to hear, highlighting voices that you wouldn't otherwise hear. I will say the other part I'm extremely interested in diving into more, especially as we go into a new administration, is how government is affecting the education space, right? Because I think the more we highlight just the influence that politics has on education, in on inclusion in uh, who has access to it because uh, a lot of my friends have been moving out of the city and into locations and they pick it based on how good the education is they're always looking for number one spaces and that to me is a scary thought right because not everyone has access to that and so the more we can put a actual light on the challenges of education and what the role that governments have both local and absolutely federal i think mm -hmm. is going to be key Diving into, it yeah. doesn't all come back, but a lot of it does come back to the way 
laws were written in the early 1900s and mid 1900s around African-Americans learning right about these neighborhoods, about redlining, uh, about gerrymandering. And I think it's a fascinating place to start of the idea that real estate tax or property tax is what funds most public education and how property values like it's a fascinating lane path to go down to then see how the government is part and parcel with yeah. with that process and then how can it be changed how right. like it, to your point Melissa, it does not have to yeah. move slowly right. but how do we legislate that how do we do that on a state-by-state basis how do yeah. we do that on a federal well, basis? And, and and then the legislation doesn't exist in right. a vacuum yeah. so that's where uh, the, the trend that i've been really fascinated by and i've tried to, to get more conversations on the show about is community-based schooling and trying to understand particularly within k-12 how the school in many ways is part of the community and that it's something uh, Rich Milner did talk about as well, where best case, your teachers who are delivering the, the instruction in the community live in the community, much like community policing. But there is this idea that it's almost like you're outsourcing to a more generally a more white right. educa- community of educators who maybe don't live in the same uh, communities. So how do you affect a cultural shift in real, all communities around how you think about equity and how you think about access to learning as, as almost the, the fundamental piece? And then particularly as that relates to education moving online, which assuming we can clear the this digital gap, which is no small undertaking, but it does seem like some of the technology, we've talked a lot about 5G and some of the other technologies that may have some inequities to start, but long-term you would imagine will lift all boats. And then once that access changes and then hopefully more awareness and readiness to, to use some of these online tools could open up new opportunity. This maybe, maybe this is driving the, uh, yeah. the you know, full circle the, your optimism at the top, Melissa. Yep. I, I am, I am extremely optimistic for the year ahead. All right. We, we can check back in February and see if I'm eating those words, but I, I really, I'll I really have really what am. she's having. Yeah. 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 It's also once again, you have to be careful what rock bottom actually is, but after you have a bad year, you got to assume the next year, it's just regression to the mean. It's just some stats there. So hopefully 2021 uh, is a rosier one for us. I very much appreciate having both of you on the show on the regular. I'd love to see more of that in in the year to come. And thanks again to all our guests. We've had an amazing run of guests this year. And thanks especially to you, the listener for sticking with us. We'll be back Again, in uh, 2021, it's really interesting uh, year on the horizon. We'll have some predictions, some trends we're watching. It'll be all good. Thanks for listening. 